If you've ever wanted to meet the person behind the person, to hear the story behind the story, or just want to learn what makes successful people tick, how they navigate through the tough times, and how you can apply what they do to help in your journey, then stick around and join Global Change CEO turned mentor, Stu Hayes, as he asks questions just like these to our amazing guests each week on Careers Unplugged. If you feel being happy, committed, and passionate about your career is important, then you are absolutely in the right place. Welcome to Careers Unplugged. My name is Stu Hayes, and once again, I'm here with Nicola Archer from Nicola Archer Communications. How are you, Nick? I'm really well, Stuart. How are you going? Uh, Nick, I'm, I'm actually doing very well. I'm sitting here with you, and we're, we're actually in the house of our very gracious and lovely guest, having... Just been entertained for lunch, so I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Me too, and pretty full. And oh, you know, I think everyone's in for a treat because this person doesn't normally get interviewed. So, no. well, why don't you introduce? I'm why don't about you that. introduce and tell the audience a little bit about our guest? Oh, thank you. Um, we're sitting here with Vicky Standish, and you know, she's just one of the most down to earth, um, truly inspiring businesswoman, mum, philanthropist, and a millionaire. She is, she's a force to be reckoned with, basically. Um, I'm thrilled that you've agreed to be with us today, Vicky, because I know you're, you don't seek the limelight and you don't really like talking too much to the media. So thank you. Um, but I want to talk a little bit more about you before you start giving us your story because you've overcome some serious hurdles in your life and challenges. And, um, you know, you grew up in the western suburbs with a mentally ill mum who tormented and abused you as a child and all the way through to your teens, um, which would have been a pretty hard way to sort of start your life, really. And um, you've never shared that story publicly, and, um, you know, you're going to just talk a little bit about that today with us. But it's also all good news, too, because you're just someone who loves to roll your sleeves up. You're not frightened of hard work. Um, you've had at least eight careers from what I can count from your CV under your belt, and you've been a master of all of them. That's quite astonishing, and that to me is, you know, reinvention at its best. I wonder what's going to happen in the next 20 years of your life. Um, but you started working from a factory floor right up into fashion, to modelling, to being an air hostess, to travelling the world. Um, you've been clean, cleaning toilets, to becoming the chief financial controller of a major hotel chain in Europe. Um, you've worked with uh, the Indigenous people in Uluru, teaching them hygiene and how to make clothes. Uh, you've done walkabout with the Aborigines, which would have been amazing. Um, you're a publisher. You've worked with a team of people stopping nuclear testing. You've pioneered uh, the Australian College of Herbal Medicine. You've worked with Mother Teresa. I mean, can this list get any better? But it's still going. <laughs> you've, built, you've built schools for orphans. You've been integral in saving lives of 30,000 fishermen. I think that's in India over the last uh, five years, which is pretty amazing. And you're a mum of three, you have a granddaughter, you've formed charitable foundations which are basically changing a lot of people's lives here in Australia and also overseas. You've helped, the, you've helped prostitutes, homeless, abused children, kids without mums, and um, you also help keep Indigenous boys out of jail in Australia. So it takes my breath away. This list, I'm not joking, Stuart, there's still more careers that Vicky's had. There's more things that she's done in her life. But I think we'll start from, the, we'll st we'll start from there, basically. Let's just get <laughs> cracking into meeting her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so uh, Vicky, um, talk us through the journey. Just, you know, what, what's, the, what's been the mission? What's been underlying your, 
evolution as you've gone through it? I actually don't know. One, I'm curious. I was a curious child. Shall um, we find also, out? We'll just keep asking questions. <laughs> also an abused child. But, um, and um, um, I don't know what, where this journey came from. It came. It evolved. And it's just been, looking back, so much fun. And I was, whilst I had a very abusive mother, I had an absolutely wonderful father. But then when I was growing up in Coburg, there were no handouts. You had to get up and work. And so if I was to get any money at all for even lunches, um, we had to work. So I first started in Woolworths at 13. And gradually nothing became impossible. And uh, when I was working in the hotel, I'm sorry, dressmaking, uh, Majora Modes, 50 Flinders Lane, I'll never forget it, with piles of lace going through the industrial machine, I inadvertently learned how to creative visual, creative visualization. And I'm thinking, where will I go from here? And I was already going to night school and I wanted to go to university, but I couldn't see that as happening immediately so I thought no I'll travel around Australia then around the world and then I'll come back and into university as a mature age student and I just knew I would do that but how I was going to do it I didn't know and then gradually I put my head up from the machine I thought I'll go air hostessing it was almost virtually (laughs) impossible get paid to to get get into air hostessing but I don't know it's like angel energy I call it it just popped into my head and so I went for we needed two interviews and I got the job so at 19 I started trading as an air hostess and then the average time an air hostess stayed was only about a year because it was very full-on job but the training was fabulous it taught discipline it taught it was just wonderful training for the rest of my life so I stayed for three years if you stayed for three years, you got a round-the-world ticket for $85. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed for three years and yes, one please. minute. <laughs> and and I said to um, Dad, I'm going to uh, now pack around Europe. Now, packing wasn't not the norm then. So I got a pack. And he said, where are you going to? And I said, I don't know. So I flew to Greece. And I loved it. I went to Mykonos and I could get a, a room for a dollar a night. Mm. <laughs> and it was the off season. So I stayed there for a couple of months and got to know all the locals and got to know the beautiful Greek culture on that island. And then it was time to move on. So I had a Eurail pass, went around Europe um, slept on the train. I'd just get a train, an eight-hour journey anywhere. I used to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> All the sleepers to yeah. get to the next city to pay for accommodation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun. I met so many lovely people on that journey. And my intent was to go to Spain and live there and learn how to speak another language. But unfortunately, I, I developed some sort of cyst on somewhere and um, someone told me that you're better off going back to England to England because their health system is much better. Unfortunately, I did. Um, I needed accommodation and food very quickly, so I applied as a chambermaid in a 40-bedroom hotel 
and I was the only chambermaid and I was a breakfast cook (laughs) (laughs) and um, I lost a lot of weight that I'd put on it was and um, was managed to in between time get the medical treatment that I needed and every morning I needed to get up at the crack of dawn, go down, cook an English breakfast for some 60 people. It varied. And there was a man that lived in this hotel during the week. He was a businessman. I didn't know anything about him. and But he was in the basement, had a room in the basement. He seemed to me a very shy and nice man. But anyway, one morning I ran down to the basement and this man was on the floor. He obviously had too much to drink the night before and he was dressed in women's clothing <laughs> and I thought oh my god if I wake him up I'll embarrass him but then if I don't wake him up 60 people are going to walk over it so yeah. I shook him and I can't remember this man's name but I shook <laughs> him and I said you've got to get up quick quick everyone's coming down for breakfast and he was you know alarmed and he went inside and it was later that day I'll never forget this man and he was in the office or something or he came to see me and he said I'm sorry no one knows that I need to do this I'm a married man and I come from the country and I said look I'm not judging you I was only then 24 pretty naive to see and a crossdresser that's not something you see every day and he was all uh, he yeah he would have been in his about 50 then mind you I was only 23 could have been 34 (laughs) 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 and uh Anyway, he, um, I said, you don't have to worry, I won't tell anyone. And he said, do you know what I do? And I said, no. And he said, I buy and sell hotels. And I'm in, down here um, negotiating the sale of a hotel. And I want to thank you for what you did to me. And you don't, you're too good to continue working here. Um, he said, I'm going to make you part of the negotiation of the sale. Would you like to learn hotel reception? And also you'll get a room where you don't have to pay rent. And I said, I beg your pardon. And I couldn't believe it. He actually negotiated me into the sale of the hotel. Awesome. (laughs) It was unbelievable. (laughs) I couldn't thank him enough. And I learned um, hotel um, reception. And then at night I ran their bar in one of the hotel bars. And then... Someone else came along out of the blue and offered me a job as a trainee night auditor in uh, 502 hotels, 500 bedroom, four star. And they had restaurants and bars and the night auditor had needed to close everything off. And the training was brilliant. That's huge. How to run a business on a big scale. Yeah. And um, so after that, I was invited to come into the office and train, um, balance all the night orders as balancing of the books and everything, but train in credit control. And by the time I finished, I was head of credit control for UK and Europe at the end of this um, time. So there's a real real theme of of things just flowing from one to the next to the next. Is that, you know, when I look forward and look at some of the things that you've achieved across your career, um, you know, working with Mother Teresa, mm. um, lobbying for against nuclear testing in the Pacific, all sorts of stuff. Um, at some point, did you sort of start to lock onto specific things that that resonated more, or what was sort of 
to do those things or did you have you always just been going with the flow no i think it's more going with the flow yep. but once but but it's got to be a flow that re- resonates with me anyway yeah so <clears throat> i think my curiosity about things is absolutely wonderful for me because i'm curious about almost yeah, yeah. anything and um so yeah it just comes along the next one comes along um because you never, you never woke up and decided I'm going to run a major hotel chain or I'm going to be – I mean, the air hostess thing you sort of did because you decided you wanted to travel around the world. But, yeah, so you got the essence of what you wanted and then the other jobs came in. I needed to go to hospital and have free accommodation. A hotel came, chain came in. Awesome. <laughs> it is. It's just wonderful. So that, that, that navigating by flow um, is one of my favourite topics, I've got to say. You know, the, the – but I'm always curious, um, I'm a curious person as well. <laughs> um, for you, when you talk about resonating, so how does that, you know, what, how do you feel it? Like, how, where is it? You know, where, where's the feeling? Um, it's changed over the years. Uh, in London, where I've just gone through, mm. um, it, I was so, I, I was like a sponge. The mm. resonate, I wanted to learn as much as I could about anything that came my way. Um, I also, when in night auditing, was managing a restaurant during the day as well um, in the th- part of London where there's a theatre. So then um, it was the need to learn mm. as much as I could mm. and whatever came up long later on. It changed what resonates with me is a hum- more humanitarian, um, standing up for the underdog. And, and it seems that my life has evolved to that position. So around I would, it. Around it. And, you know, now I will – it's almost like healing the abused child in me as well. But, um, but to stand up for these kids, that's what – I pick and choose now yeah. what I want to do. And wh- where do you find the strength, you know, in the, in the dark times to, to move forward? That's um, – sometimes I don't, or well, I wasn't. Um, but I don't go to church and I'm not um, traditionally religious. Mm-hmm. But I, I've identified – angel energy that is i don't know who you are what you are but i need this graceful energy around me and i've learned to light a candle and just hand it over and for me it works whether it's true or not is irrelevant for me it works and that gives me strength does that make sense yeah no it does and you've also got a great sense of humor Oh, no, no, humour, yeah. That, that gets you through a lot of things. You're always cracking jokes. <laughs> Had a funny dad. <laughs> My father was just the most amazing man. Um, he was a French polisher and then he was a wharf labourer and, and he got his three children, my two brothers and I, through the most difficult childhood. And I mean, if you don't mind me interrupting, I mean, your mum actually tried to kill you a few times yeah, she before did. you were te- before you left school. Yeah, she did. She did. Was she just crazy lady stuff? Well, I feel quite differently about my mother at my age than I did um, 
when I was a child. I, she was someone that I feared terribly mm. as a child. Mm. But in later years, she's turned into my greatest teacher. She yeah. taught me how it felt to be abused and how it felt to be traumatised and terrorised and victimised and isolated. But she had that... I recovered yeah. with the help of a very generously gorgeous father. But she didn't have that. She was a child who did not recover. And there were not the services that there are now to assist her. So I feel very sad that she didn't have that opportunity yeah. um, instead of becoming bitter about it. But getting back to my father, during some of the most gruesome times, he said, Vicky, try and look at the funny side. There has to be a funny side. And I was thinking, having this shit be... Oh, sorry, having being beaten is not necessarily something I find amusing. And he said, and if you're not, can't find the funny side, you're just not looking hard enough. And so I bless that man every day because I've brought that into my children's lives as well. And, you know, too, humour is beautiful. It is. Yeah. It I is. mean, look, I, I mean, my son's nine and he uh, is a kid who... Um, takes things seriously, you know, and whereas I'm someone who's a bit lighter. Um, but I know that occasionally um, my laughter and joy about things is not appreciated. No way. It's like, oh, Dad. <laughs> it's rubbing, rubbing the salt into the wound sometimes. But. He's trying to grow up at nine. <clears throat> well, yeah. He's trying to be a man. He is, yeah. yeah. Could he think, be thinking that you're um, maybe it's only a question that you may be Making light of him as yeah, a person. He does. He does. Yeah, which I'm not. Um, you need at to all, tell him but, that. But, and, and, I, and I and always have a heartfelt conversation to explain that. Uh, but sometimes it's just so cute that you you know you, you sort of the joy wells from within me and I start smiling when I don't mean to be. <laughs> He's telling you something serious about his girlfriend <coughs> falling in love for the first time. <laughs> um, so you know you, you've gone through all this um, this incredible journey. Um, You've navigated by by what resonates, um, and you've and you've used humour as a tool. Um, and these days, you know, I guess looking even just listening to Nick's summary at the start of this um, discussion now, um, there was that real theme of um, really seeing the pain that other people have, even with the story you just shared with the the guy in the basement, um, and and choosing to do something about it. You know, and that, that's something that um, a few people have. You know, I think a lot of people see, well, actually, maybe they don't, but where there is pain, um, very few people seem to roll their sleeves up. Why do you, what, what drives you to be that person and to do the things you have? Because I think that I know that pain. I know the pain they're going through because I had felt that pain mm. when I was a child. Um, I wasn't in a position really to do anything much about any helping on a large scale until I established the businesses that I have and they've been financially very, very successful. So, With the driver of let's make these businesses fly through the roof so that we can help fund, fund these operations. Yeah, and I've got a brilliant team of um, people around me who are know that that's the focus. Yeah, the 18. So it, I don't know, Stuart, whether I could effectively work at the front line 
because I've no way of not absorbing people's pain. Um, and I would take it on. That's why I had to leave Mother Teresa. And in fact, the sisters asked me to leave because there was an abused little boy. And I went home. My kids were only four at the time. And I volunteered there once a, um, every Thursday. And there was a, a little boy when he rolled up his sleeves, there were cigarette burns. Up, and mm. I came home and I had lost two nights sleep and went back to the sisters at the crisis centre and I said, something's got to happen with this little boy. And the sister looked at me. She was one of the great teachers. And she said, you are, your job is to raise your children at this point. That's your mission. And if you work here and cannot control your emotions, you're going to be ineffective. Mm-hmm. And I realised that I didn't have a boundary around me not to absorb that pain Hmm. but now that i'm earning money um whilst i'm still involved in quite a few of these um projects we have about six or seven major projects that we fund through the foundation the people who can absorb that pain and can make a difference for these particularly children indigenous people are the ones i fund to enable them to do it sensible Mm. Did that answer the question? Yeah, no, it's that's wonderful. And and talk about what what some of the what are some of the things you're doing these days? I mean, what, how can people reach out and make a, and help or get involved or you know what's the challenge even that you might have for the audience that are listening now that to make a difference in some way? I think you can make a difference just by being positive. To tell you the truth, I think you could make a difference. Mother Teresa once said that. A lot of people put money into um, charitable things. But the greatest gift everyone has on this planet is time. It's time. And to love. And to love. But she said it's the time. So people can make a difference no matter what, what level. You don't need money to make a difference. Although in my case, my journey is such that that's where I'm making a difference. And you certainly are. I mean, you've created the Lighthouse Institute. (coughs) Tell us a little bit about what they do. Oh, the Lighthouse are absolutely phenomenal. Um, What impressed me about and still impresses me about the Lighthouse is that they quite uniquely emphasise the significance and the importance of family and they replicate it in their model of care in the homes um, that they are running and they have been doing this for 25 years. And as we all know, there are so many abused kids in Australia. I was, a, I was one of them, as you know. It was a privilege now to be positioned to assist the Lighthouse in rolling out this model of care. Hopefully it will get to every child in Australia. So, so, that, so how does that really work? You're talking about like it's, it's homes being set up for homeless people. Yeah, there, there are, but um, they asked me to... Um, I provided the initial funding for the Lighthouse Institute to be set up. And this institute has been going for about two years now, has been very, very successful in partnering others. But also they're teaching other organisations around Australia. And the world, I found out. Yeah, this particular model of... It's a therapeutic model of care. And as a result, it's extending out to homeless 
all over Australia and and even globally now that model of care. And um, that's huge, Vicky. Like, it is. It, you know, sort of you, you're leaving legacies everywhere, really. You know, um, and that's something to be really proud of. And I know you don't go around doing it because of that, but you can see your footprint from the age of 24 all the way to now, and even further. Mm. I mean, you're even you're even sort of working out how to um, export cattle. You become a farm late, a farmer. We have, did we talk about that? Did we mm. mention that Vicky is now a cattle rancher? There's probably another three episodes I worth know. of the story in the middle here that we haven't talked about. Yeah, no. How to keep things sustainable? How to yep. make sure that the planet and the ground is still nourished and not being raped and pillaged by the animals? And oh, look, it's absolutely a, that. That was another thing that example of not knowing that I was going to be doing this. I firstly um, bought the farm and leased it out, but as giving my future children and future generations an option if they needed it further up the track. Um, But then I found myself taking over the farm, circumstances (laughs) and the angel energy. Is there a theme there as well? (laughs) (laughs) Taking over the farm. And at first I thought this is going to be a disaster, but I was blessed with the best manager. He is a young guy. He's three generations in the land. Um, he's teaching me and the we're learning about genetics. We run a stud farm, stud genetics, which are being exported to Russia and China and around Australia. Um, but the land has absolutely flourished under this manager's mm. care and <laughs> and so that we're in the fun. office teaching each other all the time we're teaching each other and it's I cannot work in a hierarchy situation mm. it's I can only work in a team thing and he's getting great pleasure in teaching me and we're and also I've got a, a beautiful personal assistant and other teams and she is just shocked where are you going to take us next (laughs) (laughs) what meeting are we going to tomorrow vicky what is what 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 sort of business are we going to get involved in i can see i can see you doing that (laughs) it is it, it the land is beautiful it is absolutely beautiful i get up on the hills it's undulating land i get up and i just it takes my breath away i feel so humbled to be oh, caretaker wow. of this land in my lifetime, humbled. And I definitely, it is my responsibility to respect that land. And, you know, and I'm just part of it. Good on you. Mm. Do you think that's, uh, did you learn that naturally or did that come from the Indigenous people when you went out back? I mean, did, or is it a whole lot of things? I, I think it's at the core of my being. I don't, I look, I don't know where, I, I didn't learn that. It's just there, but everyone who's come into my life must have taught me that. The Indigenous experience it was when I was air hostessing, started with, um, and ANSAT asked if I would represent them in Laud uh, as part of the company. And I'd just been up at Alice because a friend of mine was um, uh, studying medicine and doing a thesis at on Indigenous medicine up there and I flew up to have a look around and I just loved it and met an Indigenous guy and I said, I'd love to come back here. And he said, well, we can make that happen. Oh, the mission uh, where they got said I could go back and work at a Moongar, uh, not at Moongar, at um, 
yeah, Mongana, Mishit, which was 120 miles away from Alice Springs. So as luck would have it, again, I didn't initiate this. Um, Anne said, ask me if I would go to Laos and to represent ANSET. And I said, why Laos? When, why can't I represent you with our own Indigenous people? And they said, well, that's not where the project is, Vicky. And I said, well, would you mind if I went there instead? And they, they, I think they actually quite liked me. They said, well, you can go there, but you're not going to get paid. <laughs> so I said, okay. <laughs> so I took, I, I can't remember how long I took off, about six weeks. And I lived in, um, in Amongana and then I met a gorgeous woman there and her husband and her family. And um, she asked me if I would go back to meet with her parents. And we jumped in a Ford, went 476 northeast of Alice, straight, with no water, no nothing. And I'm <laughs> holding the baby, and I was young enough to think this is an adventure. And uh, lunchtime came, and we were, we were scrambling. I would have died. But there was enough to eat because they knew what they were doing. Opening up cactuses. Yeah. And then they shot a kangaroo, which is much like going to visit your family. Um, we'd take a box of chocolates. Well, we threw the... That was the similar, the kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we got up there. What I didn't understand until many years later was the Indigenous woman I'm talking about had been stolen. Th mm. There was no word of any stolen generation back then and this was her first visit back home she was and trying to find her mother no she they knew that she was coming i don't know how they did but it was one of the most incredible experience life-altering and i still vibrates with me they came all came back into my life um about 12 years ago and these gorgeous women are some of now Australia's top artists. Mm. And all the art you see in my house that is Indigenous is from members of that, um, this, this mob of Aborigines and, um, uh, that I met back then. And I just feel absolutely blessed to have had the experience in their life. And, in fact, that beautiful piece of art over there is is a map and I was allowed to put my dots on it because I journeyed <laughs> through there. Yeah, so that's probably one of the most humbling experiences and it was beautiful mm. and still remains beautiful. Mm. It's, you know, we're probably getting ready to wrap up, aren't we, Stu? But I was thinking while you were talking, and, you know, I'm obviously a huge fan and know a little bit more than people out there, but I saw a movie once where they said, I want to be the leading lady of my own life. Well, Vicky Standish, you are a leading lady of your own life. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I can't imagine what the next few films are going to show us, <laughs> what's going to unroll and what the director's going to say about that. Thank you for coming in. Thank, Thank you for being on our show. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure meeting you both. Thank you, Nicola, and it's thank you, Stuart. It's been an honour. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and, and on behalf of all of us who live 
as humans on this planet. Thank you, because your contribution is significant and continuous. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you about was legacy, but I, it sort of occurred to me that you're really solving problems now. That's what you're doing, um, which is just so important. And, you know, my challenge for everyone out there listening is to work out what problems you can solve and take a leaf out of Vicky's book uh, and be unrelenting. You know, because certainly uh, I'm sitting here right now having a wonderful conversation with someone who's been making a difference for decades and I hope continues to for, for many more. Nick, anything else you wanted to add? No, I think you just about yep. said it. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you in, at home, in the car or wherever you are, thanks for joining us. We hope the insights provided by Vicky Standish will help you in your career and your journey and in playing it big in your life. Make a point of visiting careersunplugged.com, leave a comment, get access to a whole bunch of resources that are specifically to help you in your own journey and to work out how you can play a bigger game. This has been Careers Unplugged with Stu and Nick. Would you benefit from a business coach or mentor who's the real deal or from a training program customized to fix real problems or help you and your team hit actual KPIs and performance targets? Stuart Hayes stepped away from his career as a global change CEO and committed to mentoring, coaching and training a new generation of leaders as well as anyone seeking positive impact through their business or career. Visit stuarthayesleadership.com now. Book a free one-hour strategy session with Stuart and learn how you can get the skills, training and knowledge normally limited to selected staff within Tier 1 multinational organizations. Programs are available for every need and budget.